This episode of the Better Every Shift podcast is brought to you by Lexipol, the experts in policy, training, wellness support, and grants assistance for first responders and government leaders. To learn more, visit Lexipol.com. That's L-E-X-I-P-O-L.com. Now let's get into the show. Welcome, everybody, to the Better Every Shift podcast. My name is Aaron Zamzow. I'm a firefighter EMT in Madison, Wisconsin, also right for Fire Rescue One for the uh, one and only Janelle Fasquet, who is also with us, who is the editor-in-chief of Fire Rescue One. She's also the producer here and the brainchild of all this. How are we doing today? Uh, I want to say Captain Janelle, but uh, how are you today, Janelle? <laughs> I'm doing great. I'm doing great. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm like a little kid today because I'm 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 getting to talk to my good friend, uh, Chief Chris Kazian, and I I I always messed up his last name, so I finally nailed it. We've known each other for uh, a long, long time, actually, at least I think 10, 15 years. And uh, I get excited because we talk about wellness, we talk about leadership, and we always go off on these great tangents and finally just getting you here on the podcast. How are you doing today, Chris? Good to see you, Chief. I'm doing great. Nice to see you, Aaron and, and uh, Janelle. Uh, and good to see he's got your name uh, going right now, I think. So that's, that's, that's good. Aaron, you're, you're definitely uh, improving on each and every shift, every, each and every podcast, you're improving. So that's impressive. I'm, I'm happy to see you both and, and uh, certainly love, uh, love the work you guys are doing here on your podcast and, and love listening to them every time they, uh, they post. We appreciate you being here. By the way, I love the shirt. Very uh, Chief Brunacini-esque. Um, yeah. Very fitting, I think, for, for what we talk about being better, of course. I was, I was at the gym this morning listening to your latest podcast that just dropped about, I think, 20, you know, something yesterday, I think it, it dropped. And, and I, it got to me thinking about how many times Chief Brunacini is mentioned. I actually went all the way back and listened to one of Mark's. I was inspired by you know, working out with, with uh, Chief Bayshore, uh, as you could imagine. Uh, you know, I didn't take any selfies, but uh, <laughs> uh, I, I did uh, uh, watch, listen to one he did with Don Abbott and just, just how Chief Brunacini is so intertwined in so many of your guests and influenced so many of the people that have been on your podcast and, and how much it's referenced. Like you should ring a bell every time his name comes up. <laughs> or do a, do like a quarter in a jar or something, you know, yeah, some promotion. <laughs> You know, yeah, uh, yeah. but, but well, it, he, I was just listening and not watching, obviously Hawaiian shirt. Oh yes. That's, yes. By the way. And, yeah. yeah. Hawaiian shirt. And if you're not watching, you should tune into YouTube right now. <laughs> and, uh, you got to take a look at, at, uh, chief, uh, uh, Casey right here. Uh, and speaking of, of, of chief, he's, he's got over 33 years in the fire service. Now he doesn't look like it, but, uh, he is in his fifties. He still looks young. He is young. And uh, again, been here for 33 years. He's previously served as a fire chief in Sedona, Arizona, where I met him. And uh, also with the Windsor Severance Fire Rescue in, in Colorado. Um, he's very, very pivotal in talking about leadership, mentoring, uh, mental health and wellness. And, and that's where uh, both him and I kind of became, you know, kindred souls and spirits and had some great conversations over the years. And also mentoring uh, and something pretty interesting, Chief, we were talking about is you're a member of, uh, I want, I don't want to say these underground um, kind of uh, groups, but I mean, how would you classify them? You kind of are, are, are in some, some mentorship groups or how would you? Yeah. So I would say, uh, we call them think tanks, maybe would be the, the safe way to, to, to say them. They're, they're not clandestine, if you will, but they're kind of a invite only ish uh, 
you know, and 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 uh, and, and one of them was, you know, pretty much run and established by, by Chief Brunacini. And there's a group uh, that, that meets twice a year that I'm I'm part of and and help facilitate part of that. And then and then the shirt that I'm wearing is from uh, uh, a Colorado group, but it's not limited to just Colorado, and it's 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 kind of the same concept. And so we meet and uh, we uh, meet twice a year in both of those groups and 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 have uh, some some offline calls in, in the one here in Colorado. But it's a chance for us to 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 network with our peers in a in a safe space where where you can talk about the challenging things that are we're all facing, and in, in many cases we're at the head of the at the tip of the spear in some cases, seeing and hearing things. And, and when we're vulnerable and we have a safe place to talk about things, it's pretty impressive what we can address and, and deal with and, and, and start to get your hands around before it becomes an article in, in one of your newspapers and, and <laughs> one of your magazines or, or online uh, you know, documents. Do you think, you know, obviously there's a chiefs, correct? Like that are in these, these, um, these, these groups together. And, uh, you know, we, we talked a little bit, um, numerous times. I, do you think the job as a fire chief, a, it's, it's more difficult now and B is less understood than it has been in the past? Um, yeah, I think that'd be fair to say, um, you know, they say, you know, leadership's lonely at the top, right? That's not a new phrase by any means. So it's not like it's a new concept, but I think, I think today's fire service leaders, uh, chiefs specifically, as, as your question, um, you know, depending on how the structure of your organization, your team, your your environment that you're in, the the region that you're in, um, it, it it is it is and can be very lonely and and challenging for you. Uh, everyone's counting on you. Everyone's expecting you to have the answers. Um, the reality is, we know that that's not the case. Uh, you could think of. Uh, you know, uh, Chief Pat Kenny's book, uh, taking the cape off, and you know, we as fire chiefs, it's very hard to take the cape off, and uh, we don't get the permission and, and, and able to say, "Hey, it's it, I'm taking the cape off now. I'm going to be just Chris." It's it's chief always, and um, and so you're always on, and and it, it, the demands are hard. And I think of some of the leaders that I grew up under, amazing individuals, influenced my leadership, some good, some bad. Um, but I, I just don't think that they had the problems that we're facing today. Uh, and I'm sure that was relative to what they faced compared to the people that they, you know, replaced as well along the way. But it's at an exponential curve right now in my mind and uh, very challenging for, for, for folks to be, to be on all the time. But the, the, the cell phones, right, they're, they're, they're connected to us all the time. We're accessible. We're expected to be there. The community's looking at you, you know, the, at this post 9-11, Fire service, you know what what you're expected of your, um, you know of, of of your leadership. What what government's expected, especially now. Fast forward to the last five six years and the trust and distrust in government, things like that. It's a twenty four seven job, absolutely. Well, and I think too. Then there's also this perception, like, oh, if I show any weakness or vulnerability, or you know, it's going to be perceived as weakness. I should say, you know, if like they're going through something and they want to take off the cape for a minute or even just talk to their members about stuff they're going through, you know, how do they get around that in, or, or come to realize that it's okay to, to be honest about, about those things? Yeah. You know, that's, that's, that's a great, um, you know, it's a whole topic in of itself, right? Just, just trying to figure out how to set that table and, and create that safe space for, for a chief officer to be able to tell their board, their city manager, hey, 
I'm, I'm, I'm about to boil over. I need to take some time away, you know, and, uh, and sometimes that time away isn't what you need. I mean, that, that, that's my help, but you may need some more professional help. You may need, um, you know, medications, you may need like whatever, but that's perceived as weakness in most of our minds. Like I'm, I'm I don't want to do that. What's wrong with me? I don't need that. Um, if we were honest and we talked to our peers, you'd probably find out how many of them are in therapy, counseling, medicating, um, hopefully the right way. We'll, we'll probably talk about that in a little while, but, um, and, and truly struggling. And, and when, and when you, when you meet people as people, when you see people as people and you, you come to their level and you, you connect one-on-one, you can elicit a lot of information from them, body language, eye contact, words they use. Or the just the empty empty spot that's that's in there, you know. It, you just look right through them. You need to you need to help those folks. And and I've worked really hard to try to help people that I've seen that are struggling. And I, I've I've done a, a ton of that. And I've been um, in need of a lot of it myself. And and had some folks be there for me, and other people not. And uh, it's a it's a tough spot to be in for sure. Yeah, I think you brought up a good point. I mean, a lot of times we talk about you know, firefighters and EMTs and the PTSD and the stress and the trauma that we go through. But we don't talk about, you know, the fire chief who is there with them and sometimes is witnessing how it's affecting their their team members, right? Their own department. Um, and then they're having to deal with the stresses of maybe administrators not understanding the stress. They just, they, they want shifts covered. They want uh, answers to why things were, uh, you know, why we responded one particular way or didn't respond a particular way. Um, you know, so, you know, we talked about health and wellness and, uh, and over the last couple of years, you know, and you, you and I've been really open about, you know, Hey, the older you get, the more challenged it is to stay in the fire service. You know, uh, as far as you personally, how have you approached like that, that, that stress and how have you handled that over the last couple of years? And, and, and if you were to look back in the mirror and go, damn, you should have done this differently. You know, that sounds what like a hot seat question, Aaron. That sounds like oh, a hot seat. Our, hot, oh, our hot seats are going to be better than that, man. I got them uh, set up for that. Great question. You know, as, as so you commented on how young I look, I really appreciate it. Um, um, and so that's very, very flattering, uh, Aaron. Um, so as a, as a fire chief at 41 years old, I, leaving Illinois, I started my career actually in the suburbs, north suburbs of Chicago. Um, I did 22 years there and then I went on to Sedona, as you said. So coming into a new organization, new state, 41 years old, um, you could imagine that there's definitely pressure on you to, to, to prove yourself, right? It, it, there's the, the fire chief handbook that, that's out there. You can read it. It's like this thick and it that's it, not going to do what you need. It's the on the street, boots on the ground, learning from mistakes and, and opportunities. And uh, um, so, yeah, head down, trying to do a lot of hard great work, but that comes at a, an incredible price. And so I, I, I worked through that. And, and to be honest with you, like, like many people I know, I uh, won't call you out by name, but you all know you're all listening. Um, we don't cope with things very well. You know, we've, all, we've been at the same conferences. We've seen the, the people, we've done things that we wish we probably could, could take back or, or realize that's really not too healthy of a way to cope. Um, most of that's done in, in the way of, of, of using alcohol, um, I think, in, in, in the most of our at least public sides. Mm-hmm. But absolutely knowing what we know today with our memberships, um, 
you know, substance abuse other than alcohol is certainly very prevalent. So I don't know why we would think that that potentially fire chiefs would be exempt from that. Um, I, I have not experienced that that side of the, the equation, um, but certainly have have found myself uh, making poor choices um, in the past. Um, and so, so what have I done? You know, uh, I put on a whole bunch of weight. I got some gray hair. Um, I do look older than than I probably would look if I didn't have all this stuff going on. Uh, but but start exercising. My wife cooks amazing organic meals and and trying to eat healthy. Um, trying to avoid those triggers and stress, which which for me is like like binge eating, like sweets. Like I'm I'm all in. And uh, had a little stress this morning, and I had to go get a donut. Like I just had to. Like so, I, all the workout I did at five thirty gone. Um, so. Uh, so, so having that, that, that healthy lifestyle is really important. And, uh, and then the last piece of that is really finding a place where you can and find some self-help relative to, to uh, you know, mental health stuff. You know, we have peer support and we support it so much for our members. Um, and one of the challenges I've had in the past is, okay, so we got peer support. We got members that are hurting. Understand that. Uh, peer support is confidential. 100% respect that. As a fire chief, if my membership is hurting, the last thing I want to do is be the last person to know. What can I do to help that person? What can I do to make that situation better? Not to punish the person, not like it is all in to help them. And then flip that. When is someone going to be there to be all in for me and help me? And, and that's where the, the, the gap, I think, occurs. And as a chief going to peer support, you know, uh, is, is very internally is difficult. We had a, a company out here, Building Warriors. I don't know if you've heard of Building Warriors, mm-hmm. but they, they're they a support group and they were, they're doing just a, a fire chief support group once a month. You get on and, and you're talking to other fire chiefs and we've had some pretty healthy conversations and some people that have been in very uh, critical situations in, in their in, stage in their life that we've been able to work and help, you know, through that in those those conversations and give the tools. So, so, I think we're on the cusp of a really great thing. It's just we need to bring the fire chiefs into the circle and, and not look at them as, you know, superheroes. And they're, you know, they must know everything because they don't. You know, not that long ago, there was a story about a firefighter suicide and the chief re- released a very emotional video message. You mm-hmm. might remember this. I feel it was I do. maybe six months ago. I can't remember. But. I just remember how much attention that got. And I thought it was so interesting because it was like, it was such an anomaly, right? For a chief to be the one speaking in such an emotional way about this. And I guess you think like, we should be talking so much more openly. Like this shouldn't be such a huge news story because one chief talked about it one time. We we need to be talking about this. You know, when these things happen, if if there are, is a suicide, you know, that's going to affect so many members of the department. And, you know, obviously there's plenty of other stressors that can happen as well. But I just thought it was so interesting that that was such a big deal, you know, and kudos to that chief, really, for being vulnerable in that moment. Yeah, I, I remember that post. I actually sent him an email and just said, thank you for, for speaking out. So I took time to actually even send him something. I can't remember which department it was. I believe it was on the West Coast somewhere, if I'm not mistaken. But um, very powerful message. And you know what? That, again, back to that fire chief's handbook. There's not a page in there that says, here's what you should do. So leading with your heart, you may upset some people. Or, or lead with your heart, you're most of the time going to be okay. And if it turns out the wrong way, 
you led with your heart, you meant well, people should give you some grace. And uh, we don't have enough grace in the world anywhere. And the firehouse, I don't think they can spell grace. So um, we are we eat our own, and we need to change some of that and realize I think that we need to be a little a little bit better. And so many people think that's softening the fire service, and we, you know, we're making it you know just too easy on people. I don't I don't, I don't see it that way. I think it's 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 reading the room and understanding the, the players where their strengths and weaknesses are. And if you want to lead. You want to you want to have all your strengths in the right place, and and I, I think you need to do that. So that, thanks for bringing that up. You know that was a, a, a blast from the past, but but a great great uh, thing. Maybe worth uh, sharing that in the in the link when you guys post this because yeah, it's totally. uh, it, that, that and, was a good video. And Chris, what would you say to the chief that's you know kind of listening to this going? Nah, I don't know. I I I, I don't want to share vulnerable. If I if I show I'm vulnerable or I don't know something, my my constituents, my members that I'm, I'm going to lose their faith. I'm going to lose confidence in them. I mean, what would you tell that chief? Yeah, I think that's just such a fallacy. I mean, at the end of the day, if you come to your folks and say, I don't really know how to do this and we're, we're going to some Martin Charter, it's, it's no different than a firefighter suicide. I mean, I got a friend that's experienced a couple in his organization the last year. Um, horrible, horrible stuff. And, and it's like, do you, do you do honors? Do you, uh, do you not do honors? Uh, you know, and, and, I don't know what the right answer is. You know what the right answer is based on your organization and, and what you need to do to, to heal that, that family, that soul, and the organization that's going to go on. And so showing some vulnerability um, to me is human. And I, I don't know. I mean, these confidence is certainly something you want to show, but vulnerability you use as a tool in my, in, in my uh, uh, experience to say, I don't know the answer. Let's walk alongside me and help me figure this out. Or I don't know the answer, so let's let's figure it out. But as a chief, when they throw you a problem, we're programmed to fix it. And yeah. we forget that step where we should pause and maybe say, is this a fixed moment? Maybe we need to just you know think about this and don't take any action. That might be the best action in some cases. Um, you know, and uh, I think your last guest or two ago said, you know, when you're in command, you should command. You know, sometimes command, I, I heard that. I'm like, well, sometimes like a hazmat incident, doing nothing might be the right thing. You're still in command, but, you know, doing nothing might be the right thing. And so I kind of kind of equate to, to that as well as, as if I had all the answers, I would have won that billion dollar lottery. That just, <laughs> you know, right, um, right. I think it's all right, all right here. You know, I didn't win yeah. that. So I don't know everything, obviously. As someone who, you know, has been in the back seat for almost 20 years now I'm moving more to the front seat uh, and I'm also a little bit older I think you know in, in fire service I don't want to speak for everybody but I, I know that we have some some surveys that are are saying hey I as uh, I, I want to see m more strength in leadership and and again this almost counteracts it right as a leader well if they want to see strength in leadership I shouldn't show them I'm vulnerable uh, but actually I agree with what you're saying chief is no, that shows that you're human, but I can still step up and make a decision when I need to. And, and also then not make a decision when that's needed. And you have to, you know, learn kind of, uh, how your organization feels. Right. But the question though, comes back to how, as a leader, do you learn that? How, as a leader, do you, uh, take a step back and, what other traits help mold that mindset? 
Well, I think I think Aaron just just again being human, realizing that that you're you're not infallible, you're not you know perfect. We all make mistakes. Admitting your mistakes, so you know lying is a big deal. Um, so be honest with people. The minute you lose that credibility, that trust, it's so hard to build back. So 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 if people respect you and understand you and, and appreciate who you are, they'll 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 understand those mistakes and they'll 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 give you some of that grace. Um, if your culture and organization has built that, and so you need to know that because in some in some cases you, you, you don't have a you know this much of grace, and they're going to be on you and you're out the door or, or, or whatever. You, you've lost all credibility. You got you know basically got to do like 10, 10 nice things to, to make up for one bad thing or whatever type of thing, right? So 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 I think it's about creating a culture. I think it's about communicating to people, and 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 you, you mentioned re- referencing you know some some articles and, and and data that's coming out and things like that, like. You can't read an article and say that doesn't apply to me. It it may not. In some cases, it may not. Um, you know, one of the one of the folks that I, I, I was a friend of mine, chief. You know, they, they took a huge. They had a couple suicides. They've done, done a huge mental uh, uh, health push, and they're a progressive organization to begin with. And talking to the chief, he said, "Chris, I don't know what's going on, man, but we have mental health issues, substance abuse. Like we have issues in our organization." And I'm, you know, and I was like, man, he's calling me every day. Like, dude, we just got another guy that's going to the center. Another guy that's going to the center. We got this happening. I had a suicide. I just, you know, all the stuff that's happening in real, real time. And he said, I guess what I realized in that is that when we went to look for it, it was always there. We're just looking for it. And now we see it. And that's what the, the surveys will tell you. You know, they're doing these surveys. They're saying 57% of people are unhappy at work in a, a recent Gallup poll. 57%. The easiest thing to say is that's not my organization. They're happy. I'm the chief and I'm doing good stuff and I care about them. Nah, pretty sure you've got some people in that are in that survey. And, and so what are you doing about that? And, and some may be fixable and some may not be fixable, but you better be taking some proactive approaches uh, and, and taking the temperature and, and the pulse of your organization to know where you sit. You know, um, What's the best way to do that? <laughs> Again, back to trust, communication, um, creating creating a, a safe space, you know, where, where people can talk, you know. And so, if someone comes to you and says, you know, hey, this is uh, morale's really bad at this t- point in time. If you bl- go off the handle and start, no, it's not. It can't be. It, you know, then it's it's the lieutenant's fault, like I talked about earlier. Yeah, they're never going to come with you with anything else. You have to, you have to, you know, you have to have to kind of bite your tongue. You need to, okay, well, tell me more about that. I want to know more. Be inquisitive, right? And that whole, um, you know, don't come to me with problems, you know, come to me with solutions type of thing. Like that's, that's, I think is a fallacy to some degree. And there's actually some articles about that. Um, um, but have a, have an open approach to, to someone being comfortable coming to you and saying stuff isn't working right. Or yeah, People are unhappy right now, um, and 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 then try to process. You know, we always I think we fall back to well, that's the business world. We're the fire service, so we're different. It doesn't matter. Again, that's not true. We are the same people. We all wake up in the morning. We all brush our teeth. We all hopefully we brush our teeth. You know, we all <laughs> in the same way. It's it, it is people. That is where we're at, and and we have to take inventory, take stock in that. And be proactively working vigorously to achieve it. And even then, I still don't think you actually are successful. I think you're still going to have those people you're not going to correct. 
are not going to change and are going to be unhappy in the workplace. And you have to figure out what's your, what's your level of, of comfort in that. And uh, yeah. so. Well, it's interesting because, you know, I was looking at that Gallup poll as well. And I'm sure there are people who are going to look at this and say, oh, that's corporate America. That's not the fire service. It's different. Right. right? Um, uh, for the record, the Gallup poll does cover a variety of industry organizations, but you know, I know I've been mentioning it a lot lately, but we've got the data from what firefighters want, the survey coming out soon, and it aligns with this Gallup poll for sure. I mean, um, you know, just to tease some of this data, we've got a question about stress levels and how stressed firefighters are. Now, a lot of firefighters are very stressed. That's the uh, bottom line here. But one of the questions was um, whether or not their stress level has has made them consider leaving the fire service. 42% of people who responded to the survey said they are considering leaving the fire service because of their top stressor. That's huge. Like, if you're a chief and you're thinking about like your members, if you look out over your members and you think 40% of them are considering leaving when we're already in a staffing crisis, like that's pretty insane. Uh, does that number surprise you, Chris? No, it, it doesn't. Based uh, scientifically, it, it surprises me just because I don't know the the actual quantifiable part of that. But pulse check, gut check stuff. No, that makes a ton of sense. That's right in the line with with what I would would guess would be you know much higher than anyone would have guessed. You know, oh, that's five percent in my organization because there's two people that just hate the place. You know, and never been happy all you know, fifteen years they've been here, so they've already written them off. You know, uh, that forty two percent number is way higher than than two people in your organization, at least in most places. Um, mm -hmm. And so, and if it is two in a forty two percent, then that means almost half your workforce. You only got four people working there. My math is pretty you know, <laughs> spot on. So yeah, you got other problems. Um, yeah. So and the Gallup poll you're speaking to is like uh, it's called Q12. I think it's been around early 2000s. Um, got just um, tens of thousands of, of, of data points. You know, and they're asking questions of people like, you know, do you know what's expected of me? So if those firefighters don't know what's expected of them, you know, or 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 we're expecting more of them. They expect when the bell rings, I go on calls, I do nothing else, and we're expecting them to do all these other things, pub ed and inspections and all this stuff, and it's stressing them out. Where were we for setting the table? Or you know, do I have the tools and equipment to do our job? Well, you know, in some cases, I assume that they do, but um, maybe they don't. Maybe they don't have a second set of turnout gear, or they don't have a cancer prevention program. They don't do you know firefighter physicals and and health and wellness stuff. They don't have a gym, those type of stuff, or you know, uh, at work, does my opinion count? Like, again, it goes back to culture. And so if you're leading from the top and, and you're pounding your fist and this is how it's going to be, I'm, 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 I'm the boss. I know how it's supposed to be. I'm not going to, like, your time is limited. And, and, and the dinosaur, what Bruno Cini say, you know, dinosaurs lay eggs, you know, like it's, it's, uh, yeah, we, we got to stop some of that. And, you know, um, has someone talked to me about my progress in the last six months? When's the last time as a supervisor you sat down and actually talked to somebody? Aaron, you say you're riding the back step and you're, you're doing some more time up front. What a perfect time for you as you make that migration to the front to, to change that. Go, I haven't been talking, I don't know what, you know what Madison does and how often you talk to people, bosses, but you know, sitting down with people, you don't need a once a year evaluation. That's that's garbage. I mean, that's what we do because that's what you know it's been said. But the reality is once a month, we should be sitting down with our people and just, hey, what's going on? 
hey, I'd like really did some great work having noticing you've been late to work a couple times this, this month, whatever, and just have small conversations over the, the next 12 months and engage with them. And then you're going to learn that, you know what, my kid's having trouble. You're going to learn, hey, my wife is, you know, thinking about leaving me. Hey, you know what, I'm really having trouble at, at, at work uh, with this supervisor, with you possibly, whatever it may be. You can make those incremental changes, not 12 months from now when it's so big or past a certain point. You know, now I've been drinking every day. I'm off duty. Now I'm in a tailspin and I need to go, you know, get some major help. And we could have fixed that at the beginning. Wouldn't, wouldn't, isn't that leadership? So, so that Gallup poll really is important. And just the, the, how easy it is and what people want is, is what that tells you. Well, and we'll, well if include come... a link to that too in the show notes because it's it's such a good tool, it's such a good reference point to read through these and not only think about it from your own job satisfaction standpoint, but as, if you are a supervisor yourself, ask yourself, you know, how would my employees answer these questions? Like, it's a great self-assessment tool. Yeah. yeah, and if nobody if nobody's coming into your door to give you any feedback on this, I think that's a great indicator of hey, something's something's wrong to start. You know, um, I know chiefs don't like, I, I know my, my chiefs, uh, you know, I, I ask a lot of questions, but, um, that means I'm still engaged. Right. Uh, and, and when they don't come into your door or they're not telling you these things, I think these polls are telling you they feel them. They're just, in this case, it, it's already getting to a point where it's pretty bad. And, you know, and, and chief, the theme that we've been talking about so far is, First, as a chief, you got to look in the mirror and make sure you understand your own health, your own uh, shortcomings in some cases, and reach out and get mentors. And and then you know you have to do the same thing for your organization too, right? Like I, I mean, you're basically mirroring what you do for self care with your organization. Yeah, kind of, kind of dual tracking, right? So that's a double duty. And you know what, we sign up for some of that stuff. So I, I think part of it is you know like. Like, I understand, like, that's what I got, I, I get paid to do and, and have to appreciate that. I, I think the, the challenge I hear a lot of leaders come with like, I don't have any time in the day. My door, people keep coming in my door. And I used to have, a, I'm, a, I'm a list guy. I got lists all over my office here. Like, I like to check it off, right? And so I, I used to have these long lists, 10, 12 things I'm going to get done today. I'm type A, I'm going to get all the stuff done. I'm a, I'm a hard charger. And then I started realizing I didn't get all my things done. That made me unhappy. It made me depressed. I had this long list and a new list for tomorrow, and it kept growing. So I started saying, hey, if I get one thing done a day on my list, I'm happy. More importantly, people are coming to my door. And to your comment, right, if a leader is going, no one comes to my door, I must be really good. That's a red flag that maybe you're not approachable. Maybe you do have some issues that need to be addressed, and you better go actively go you know, seek out folks and connect with them because because they're not coming to you because they don't feel comfortable. And that should be a really, really strong message to you as a leader for sure. And, and take that. Um, you know, I, I we're talking about mental health. I, I, I want to sidebar this. So I'll throw you guys a curve because that's uh, what Aaron usually does. Uh, you know, but, <laughs> but uh, a chief Brunacini's uh, granddaughter, Alana Brunacini, has created a document uh, that, that she has that talks about critical behaviors for first line supervisors. And it, and, it, and it aligns with some of these behaviors that, that a first-line supervisor should be doing to lead their folks. It also gives some opportunities for those first-line supervisors to get some awareness as, as they see signs and symptoms to do something. 
the, the action sits there. That's why they're a supervisor. They're the first level supervisor. They're seeing things at a much greater level. And, and so it just, it's a pretty cool document. I'll see if I'm, if I'm able to share it. If I am, I, I, will, I will send it to you guys. But it's a four pager that really just, you know, talks about, you know, hey, if, they're, if you're seeing hostility or negativity in the workforce or disengagement, then the observations of what that looks like for someone that may not know. Um, a moderate example and an extreme example of what that what that could look like. As a supervisor, you read that and you go, oh, action, you know, and so often you're about to go up in the front seat. How much training have you really had? And, and you said you've, you've been on the job a while, so you're a little more senior, maybe seen some things. But do we really give you the tools and the toolbox to say, here, Aaron, now you are a lieutenant. Here's the tools you need. And we're going to do some checkups with you and check-ins and we're going to we don't. We send you out to a station and we hope we never see you again. That's what we do. That's not the way we do it. We should do it. Right. Right. Well, and I, I, I'm old too. <laughs> I mean, I got in the fire service old. So I was, I was in the business side, you know, for, for many years. And I think I, you know, just personally learned some lessons. And I, I like with my crews, I'm, I try to be as hundred percent, you know, honest as I can uh, and say, look, I have, I'm new to this position and I'm, I'm going to rely on you to help me, but what can I do to help you too? Right. And, and that's, you and I've had that conversation. That's, that's an easy, that's just being people. Um, you know, but there's also people that are listening to this going, well, I wish my, I wish my supervisor would do that. Or I wish something would happen, go this way. What would you tell those people? What would you say to them? What, what are some steps they could take to, uh, to, to still foster uh, relationships or foster an environment that's, that's more healthy and positive. Quit wishing, take action. There's so many of us that just sit there and say, I wish my boss was like you. I wish this was like, I wish my boss would do that. I wish this. No, no help. I, I just, I was with a, 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 a deputy chief the other day on Monday last week uh, or maybe this week, I guess it was, you know, and, and talking about some challenges, opportunities, you know, and I'm like, Go and, and lead your boss. You know, if there's a challenge out there, not, not nothing major, but if, if there's an opportunity, like that's what a, a deputy chief should be doing. Hey, boss, I need this. Boss, did you know we're doing that? Did you hear about this? Like you need to be the eyes and the ears, it's just like the first line supervisor, the battalion chief, and, and so on up the chain. And so when we sit back at a firehouse table and just I wish it was like that, or I got a friend of mine that works at this department, it's so much better. Like, no. Make this place better because those are the people at the table that are going to be the leadership in the next five to seven years. And just, just talking about it ain't enough. So take action, do something about it. Quit wishing. Very well said. That sounds like Dr. Candace Ashby. She was on too. She said, you know, uh, I, I may have issues with those above me, but I can control my environment today. I can control, um, you know, the way I respond and, uh, I can set an example for the people that are below me or next to me. Right. And, you know, and, and that goes back to your health and wellness thing. You know, maybe the culture is not where we want it to be, but that doesn't mean you can't look in the mirror, start eating better, start uh, getting in, in shape. How much have you lost, by the way? Well, I, I lost about 30 pounds and I went on a couple of vacations here in the last couple of months and put another 10 back on. So um, I'm, I'm still doing well, but uh 
you know, at one point I was, I was at a, a lean mean fighting a weight of, of a buck 65 or so. And, and I'm, I'm hitting about 172 this morning. So, um, but how better do you feel? You yeah, know, um, right. I, I talked to my aunt yesterday and we were on a zoom call for a funeral for a relative in Florida. And anyway, she called back and says, you look great, you know? And I'm like, great. I got a lot of stuff going on in my life right now. I don't feel so great on the inside, but I'm glad this part looks great. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's, that's a, again, a part of a fallacy. Like you might look at that and go, he's got it all together. Look at, he looks good. He lost some weight. He's, you know, but inside you're crumbling. You need to have a, a safety valve. Someone that you can call and say, Aaron, I'm really struggling. I need some help, you know? And, and I've been that person for a lot of people. And it was very difficult for me to, to, to use that, uh, that, that lifeline to other people to admit that, Hey, I think I, I, I need some help. And yeah. I was at a conference last October and we talked a lot about mental health and, and some people in the room that have, have actually, you know, attempted suicide and, and, and back to, um, I think one of our you know, surveys that was said, or maybe it was an old podcast listen, but like 42% of people have said that, you know, they've attempted suicide or something like that. Um, no, 16, I think it was 16% maybe. Anyway, um, you know, um, I got done in that in one of the think tank group I was in, and I knew I could be held accountable. I said, I, I, I have a problem. I need help. You know, I don't think I'm the same parent that I was for my first child as I am for my last child. And that's that's probably normal to some extent that, that things change. But I don't know that my last one's getting the best version of me. And I think a lot of it has to do with my 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 job as a chief. You know, um, I, I, I'm not blaming it all on that. I'm just I'm just being honest, I feel like I've, I've given so much to, to my places of work and communities that when I came home, I got nothing left in the tank. And my older kids got me when I was on shift and I was a firefighter, maybe a lieutenant or, you know, uh, a shift commander. And uh, I came home with energy. I came home with stuff. We did things, we whatever. And so, you know, that's a big price to pay for, for a title, you know, and it's not if I could do it all over again. And I don't know. You know, back to that question I think we had at the pre-show. I don't know what if I do it all over again. I don't know. Um, I love it. I absolutely love it. But I look at my daughter who's about to turn 18 and just think she she didn't get the same same role that the that the 36 year old got. Yeah. You yeah. Know, whatever she is, I don't know, 35 this year, I forget. Whatever. Uh, yeah, she's but she she's successful by the way, too. Yes. And and I'm yeah, I met your daughter. So they're, yeah, they're a great. couple they're, of them. I don't know which one you met. I mean, yeah, they're spitting images, which is great. Yeah. But you know what? Like, uh, you, you, I, the, this, this, the fire service does takes its, it, it, it does kind of break you down a little bit, right? Every single year you're in, you know, it, it can break us down. And, um, and that's why I appreciate your vulnerability. How are you doing now? I mean, what did you do then? If you don't mind me asking. Yeah. So, so, um, so I, I had that moment where I, I, there's the last day of the, 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 the last hour, last minute, I was the last person to speak. We kind of a round table approach. And I just said, I, I messed up. I'm, I'm, I'm blank inside and, and all the things you said and you said, and you said are where I'm feeling and I can't, I can't do this anymore. And so I, uh, uh, did some self-help. I, I got some help through uh, our peer support team and amazing, amazing group, uh, first responders, trauma council, uh, I believe is their title. They changed their name a few times, but their, their leadership helped me immensely with, with just some realization, um, did some did some EMDR. I did uh, some hypnosis. Uh, I think the hypnosis was the, the thing that worked best for me. Um, uh, again, I was already eating healthy. My wife cooks, so that, that part was kind of taken care of. But I renewed renewed my my, my workout routine, which kind of got laxed. 
Um, and, uh, and that, that got me you know, back to focus and, and I quit drinking. I just said, I'm not going to drink anymore. Um, I don't think it was a, a problem, like, like, like in a daily status, if you will. But I just said, you know what? Nothing good can be coming out of this. Uh, we know, you know, just all the stuff we know. And, and so I just, I'm going to stop, you know, and there's certainly plenty of examples where I, I wasn't at my finest, as many of us probably haven't been at one point or, or, or two in our, our lifetimes. And, and I, so I just selectively pretty much just said, I'm not going to drink anymore. I haven't drank in eight months. I feel great. Um, you know, uh, in the elephant in the room for me is uh, I'm not at, at the fire department I was in Northern Colorado anymore. And, uh, you know, it's been a really challenging time in my life to, to, to find myself without a job for the first time in 40 some, I've started working at 12 years old, always had a job or two. And so to be, you know, three, four, five months into it, six months into it without a job, um, I'm going out of my skin, you know, trying to get back in the game and whether it's in the fire. that's the biggest question I ever know is the fire service where I want to go based upon what I know. Or do I want to go into something more corporate or something else that's you know, maybe on the sideline, but not in this world? My passion is with people and it's with leading them and, and helping them. So right now, my, my goal and focus is to get, get back in the fire service. Um, but I'm the best version of myself than I've ever been. Um, and, and, you know, continuing some, some, some treatment and help, help or whatever. And, you know, talk to some folks who are like, every 10 years in our business, we should get a tune up. Just like your car needs it. You need to get checked out and yes. just walk through. And, and the interesting thing is, is, is like many of us will say, I don't really have that many big things that happened in my career. I've, you know, suburban firefighter, whatever, been a chief for 11, 12 years now. I can name off all of the instances, dates, time, like everything. And the, they're like, yeah, that's probably a sign. Like you've got some baggage in that, in the trunk there. And so we all do. We all do. Yeah, I, I believe, I like your comment. I, I think it should be mandatory every year, at least, if not every three where you're seeing a counselor. Um, you know, and, and the conversations, I mean, you and I had this, like, right? Like your significant others and, and your family members, they, they see it, right? Um, and, you know, we, we, we're in it. And a lot of times we don't see it as much. And, and I think this goes back to just, you know, you're, you're more self-aware than I've ever seen you, which is why I was like, Hey, I got to get you on. This is great. This is a great conversation because when we can lose that, like, Holy cow, I, I need help. Or, uh, you know, even for fitness, uh, okay. I, you know, my BMI is high, uh, muscle weighs more than fat BS. No, you're getting fat, right? Like you're gaining weight. Let's just be honest. Look in the mirror, you know, or you're, you're the, you're the guy who, you know, you're holding your crew back a little bit. Um, you know, the moment, right. You, you become more self-aware is that like how did that feel is that like holy cow that's clarity right yeah well it, it was tears and uh you know weak fragile moment in in the moment in that in that meeting where i i just confessed and said i and i need i need to be held accountable my wife's been you know watching this you know spiral down or you know you need to get some help need some marriage counseling all those things that we've done and and should do and all that type of stuff um but but it, it it didn't sink in until I just it had to be on my terms, if you will. Maybe that's just yeah. the blockheadedness of of me or or fire chiefs or firefighters in general. Um, and and when it came to my turn, you know, I'm, I'm glad that it wasn't in a moment where it was out of desperation or whatever. It was on my terms, and and so it made it a lot easier for 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 me. Um, the feeling, the relief of of going to talk to somebody and 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 getting some help. 
Um, you know, I did some vibroacoustic therapy, which was fantastic. Um, I felt that was a huge help. And, and I don't know what that exactly does, but it, it does something to your body. And I don't really care what they did to me. I just know that, that I feel <laughs> better. And that's the key. Uh, am I fixed? Am I right? Will I ever be? No, probably never, ever. But but the reality is I, I understand now when our people are we're sending somebody somewhere, you know, that, that we we know what they're going to go through. You know, when we send somebody to a, a intensive inpatient therapy for 30 days, you know, didn't do that, but 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 can understand and appreciate what that what that is like and, and the importance of that, you know. Um, uh, so it's it's critical for us to, to to walk the walk and talk the talk. And I feel, like I said, 100 percent better um, eight months later on just my person, a lot of things. And then I had a I had a thing in the middle, which I can't imagine having dealt with what I'm dealing with now as far as employment and, and some, you know, some, some, some issues with, with that if I wasn't in the place I was in. So I'm very blessed. Things happen for reasons. So whatever happened in October set me up for my, my late February situation that I didn't know was coming down the road. And, and I sit here today and, and at least can have my head hung high and know that I'm, I'm doing my stuff and, uh, and the rest will fall into place. Well, and that's why I was like, yeah, we got to get him. We got to get him on and just just have a candid conversation about this, because I think this is the reality of what most of us are feeling. And, you know, and, and I think uh, the data that we we have with our survey coming out, um, like Janelle, right, you, I think you had mentioned something about like 67 percent of our respondents were saying they were st- stressed to uh, uh- a point. I think I think this the data point you're referencing is um, 67% respondents said that their stress level is negatively impacting other aspects of their health, like ability to sleep, exercise, things of that nature. Yeah, relationships. Mm-hmm. Um, and 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 you know, so Chief, I compliment you for just saying, hey, you know what? I'm going to go see help before it affects all these things. And it, you know, it probably was starting to like your wife was saying and your kids were saying. And, you know, so many times we've seen that in the fire service where somebody doesn't. And, um, yeah, is is that a softer fire service? I think it's a more self-aware fire service. I agree. Um, um, And uh, so I applaud you for talking about it, number one, being here. And number two, just uh, taking action to to just work on yourself and not be afraid to do that. Because ultimately, right, uh, it comes down to this you're all fired up, ready to help more people because you've helped yourself. hundred percent, hundred percent recharged, ready to go and, uh, and, and, and looking. So if you're out there, no. um, yeah, but, right. uh, you know, and it, I've had not, I'm in Florida in the morning on a, on a plane, right? And what's the thing they're going to say to anyone with little children, make sure you put your mask on first before you help them. I mean, it's the same analogy, right? It's, it's, it, we, we get that. We're like, okay. And I, I would bet that most people take care of their kids before they take care of themselves, but they tell us that anyway. And, and if we really are, are going to live that so, so important to, to, to truly do that. And so, yeah, I, I'm probably a decade or longer late to, to the game as far as taking care of myself, but you know what? I'm, I'm there now. And that's the most important piece. So it's not a matter of, well, it's too late now. No, it's not too late for anybody. And, and it's not, and it's not too late to talk about it. It's okay. If you say, Hey, you know what? I, I you know, we uh, up here in Northern Colorado uh, uh, are working with a company called Frontline Medical. And so um, very comparable to LifeScan and the, the, the work that they're doing. I mean, it, it, comprehensive physicals, they're doing the mental health screening, they're checking the sleep status, they're looking at anxiety, depression, 
you know, and, and again, why would we think that the fire service is any different? When we look at the anxiety and depression in, in, in the society as a whole. Why do we think the fire service would be any different? We have our heads in the sand thinking that that's not existent. You know, we think that the, the, the uh, substance abuse relative to pain uh, medications is only for other people. Like, no, actually probably more so in our business. Yes. And so, you know, it's, it's critical that we're aware of our people. And so when you know one of them has had a surgery or they're having issues with this or that, like being present in their life and making sure, hey, how you doing, man? Are you, are, are you okay? Like, how, how's the pain going, you know? I'm off the pain pills, whatever. Well, it could be lying to you or, or you know, um, and more often than not, we're seeing that, that they're taking more, more pills and, 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 and medicines and things like that that are impacting their ability to be at work. You know, uh, we, we used to do a, 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 you know, a recruit dinner. So as our, our new recruits were coming on and about to go to academy, we have a barbecue or we're catering some food. We, we invite their families, moms and dads in many cases. They're 21, 22-year-old men and women that don't have spouses yet. So we bring their moms and dads in because they're the ones that are going to be seeing this stuff. And we give them the yeah. signs and symptoms of what, you know, the mental health is. We don't try to scare them, but we try to give them the, 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 the signals because the last thing we want to do is have someone not know where to turn. We give them the card, here's peer support, call us. And we'd rather have that phone call. And if at the end of the day, if at the worst case scenario, at the end of the day, it ends somebody's career because of something that is happening that's not, you know, uh, we can't get around, that is still far better and going to be a very small percentage of time than somebody doing something that's going to hurt them or someone else long-term in their career. You know, I, I listened to your, you, you used the analogy about, uh, you know, on a fire ground, if, if you only threw the ladder halfway up the, the window, we'd be all over that person, right? This is what we're talking about. The ladders aren't reaching the window. We're not making any egress. We're not having a second way out. We're not having an escape plan. We talk about that. We train on that every day. Our guys threw ladders here 7 a.m. in the morning. Every day they're throwing ladders. They're doing pulling hose, 99% of our job was not that, but we yeah. need to be good when it, when it needs to be good. So we need to do the same. We already have the, the framework. We just need to shift it over to, to taking care of ourselves and not looking at that as a weakness, but as a part of our job and our expectation. Yeah. And a necessity for our job. Yeah, and a necessity. Yeah. And a necessity. Right? Yeah. Yep. And, uh, and I, I, I just, uh, thank you for, uh, for being here by the way, because, uh, so you summarize just basically a lot. First of all, take a look at yourself and then take action. And the, the more and the better you do that, the better you will be able to serve those around you, including family. And the same goes for your organization that you lead, right? Like take a look around. And if people aren't telling you how things are going, you got to ask because there are some hidden issues. And I think, uh, you know, surveys are showing that. And so if you think it's not your, your organization, you, you got another thing coming and then take action to be proactive on those things. And I think that summarizes really what we need to do personally and, uh, you know, as a fire service. Um, so thank you for that. Thank you for your honesty and your, your, your openness to share, but you're not done yet. And no. we're not done yet. Cause now you, uh, the one thing you were stressing out about all night long, probably uh, hot seat questions. Uh, again, for those that are listening, we just throw our guests in some uh, some questions that are you know kind of more quick hitter. We don't really know where they're coming from. Janelle's mom is really good at coming up with some of these, um, as is mine. And we get some from some of our listeners. So you ready for that, Chief? Sure. 
Janelle's got some prepared for you to start. All right. All right. Um, I want you to tell us about your favorite fireground drill, but I'd like you to do so in your auctioneer speed. <laughs> yeah. So we got some time together uh, at the National Fallen Firefighters Foundation. And, and uh, you know, it was a tough start, as you guys uh, noticed. But uh, once we got going there, I, I can really start going. So, hey, hey, you know, and I can get a little going, but I don't know if I can do that here right now today. I'm too nervous. Um, <laughs> drill, um, you know, Gosh, I've been uh, in the in the office so long. It's been that would be budget time. That'd be my favorite uh, fire ground drill would be preparing the budget and uh, getting ready in, in in fire chief terms. Uh, from a firefighter standpoint, um, you know any of the NFPA drills. You know just just timing where we're we're we're, we're able to compare ourselves and 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 benchmark ourselves um, as a team compared to our other members, stuff like that. Those are those are some of my favorite drills. Um, just to just to have quantifiable stuff, you know, search drills. Those are blacked out stuff. Obviously, you know, live fire training. All those are, are great stuff. But um, but knowing how we are, where we've been as a team, I think is, is an important uh, aspect to, to the training and, and knowing how and where we we measure up and, and are we meeting expectations? You know, and those NFPA drills are are certainly a, a good way to do that. We're going to use post production and just speed that up. We'll we'll do it at auctioneer speed, right? We'll double the we'll double that that whole speed. Uh, uh, and, and for those that, uh, I got two hundred, I got two hundred, I got three, 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 I got three over there, I got four hundred, I got four Janelle, I got four hundred, I got raise your hand so I can call on you, okay? I got four hundred right there, four hundred. I got five, I got five from you, to Aaron, I got five from Aaron. Good job. We're gonna sell it right now. Sold to Aaron for five hundred dollars. Sold. To, the next question is sold to me. For those that that are listening, we Chris uh, has been the auctioneer for a lot of N Triple F. Um, auctions and and uh, charity events so that's where that came from uh and he does a great job he did take a little bit of warming up but after he got going it was perfect kind of like the hot seat question let's be careful yeah. the, the, the room was incredibly cold though i, I, I was yeah. warmed up there. Like, yeah let's not let's definitely not blame chris here it was a it was a who wants to be the first to start throwing yeah. money around yeah right? it was a tough it, start, but uh, we got there it was a tough there. crowd i'll give you that for yeah. sure um We've met at a, at a couple of conferences and we have, we've uh, experienced an epic sushi night together oh, where we, where we were in, uh, Laughlin. in Laughlin and uh, a group of us, uh, went to the sushi place that was recommended and they just kept coming out coming out with all these wonderful entrees. I think the bill was like $80 for like seven of us. It was crazy. <laughs> um, but the conversation really for you and I, like, I, I remember that, that, that moment. I remember us bonding. I remember us talking about, you know, uh, kind of, uh, you know, a lot of things with health and wellness and where the fire service was going. So my question resorts back to that. You've gone to a lot of conferences you've gone to, uh, you know, speak a lot and, and you do a lot of these things with, um, you know, mentoring. What's one of the greatest experiences you've ever had at a conference or a show or, um, you know, just, a, a one of those particular kind of uh, events? Um, I guess as a speaker uh, here in Colorado, we've had a couple, you know, smaller venues. Um, I've not done a lot of large, large group stuff. Uh, uh, certainly interested in, and available uh, to talk about or come out. And <laughs> Another shameless plug. Um, but uh, um, it, it's, it's when you speak to the group and then, you know, those people come up to you afterwards and they've got questions or they see you at the next conference or they, they send you an email and they're like, hey, I got a question about that. Or, hey, I'm trying to figure this out. Um, and, and so when you connect at that level of people, when, when you, you can speak all day long and, and say a lot of words, but when you, you get that 
that feedback that um, that someone heard you and it was impactful to them and they felt your passion. Um, so to your question, it took me a second to get there, but your question specifically, funny you asked this. I was teaching a class here at Colorado uh, Special District Association uh, is, a, is a group here. And I get up and speak and there's three ladies giggling in the front row. And, and finally, I, you know, I'm, I'm calling on them just I'm like, but they kept giggling. And I'm like, what is so funny? And she says, my mom lives in Windsor and she loves you. During COVID, I, I started to write a, a weekly newsletter or, or so um, trying to lead through COVID to our community on Nextdoor. Hugely scary, very dangerous given the, 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 the vibes of Nextdoor. And it went overwhelmingly well. People would find me in the grocery store and be like, when's your next article coming out? I can't wait to read it. And I was like, okay. <laughs> so this giggling in the front. Uh, so finally, when the class is over and they, you know, I'm like, okay, well, that's cool. Your mom thinks I'm, you know, I'm the best and thinks I'm so cute or whatever you know, they said. She's like, can we take a selfie with you so we can send it to my mom and, and share it? And it was just the funniest thing ever. And so every time at the conference, I think of that time and, and, and sending a selfie to her mom and uh, making her day brighter that uh, her daughter got to get a selfie with, with Chris Casey, which probably is not really worth very much. But to her, I guess it was. That's awesome. <laughs> All right. Let's flip to the other side of uh Let's go worst experience, but not at a show in general, but worst, like 60 second version of your worst travel experience. Oh, man. Um, to a conference or, or just No, travel? no, just anything. It could be family vacation, well, traveling I, I alone. Travel. We were in Florida, where we're going now, actually, tomorrow, uh, to <laughs> fly out, and uh, we were ready to go home. They uh, canceled the, the flight, and my wife's like, we are going home. I'm like... You know how much a flight is for three of us to go home right now? It's like I don't care. So we spent like two thousand dollars or something like that on a flight home when we could have just stayed in a hotel for probably two hundred bucks and flew out in the morning. And uh, and so the stress of me, I'm a, I'm a money guy, so I was like, ah. Uh, but we got my wife home, so uh, I, I therefore uh, am a hero in her eyes, at least in that moment. And uh, that's always haunted me as as uh, they cancel flights or move a lot of flights around lately. It's, it's like, oh, yeah. The, it was well worth the investment uh, for the uh, stress. You got to look at the stress versus the uh, monetary versus stress investment. I think you you yeah. were uh, yeah, worth out was, on that one, right? Yeah, I was driving, trying to go on the Delta website to sign up to buy flights and whatever else. I'm like, this is not safe, but we're going to get to the airport and we're going to have an airplane waiting for us, honey. Don't worry. Yep. We're going home. Don't we're worry about home. it. Uh, well, one final one, and this is kind of a hot seat. This is, uh, this is a... a a personal one, Chief. How are you personally working to get better? Um, I think you know, kind of like your your the name of your show, right? A better every shift. I think that's a, a, a and it's amazing, great name. I'm sure Janelle came up with it, so that's great. Um, much, yeah. You no, know, it's a, it's that one percent concept, right? So if every day you can be just a little bit better, a little bit happier, a little bit nicer to people, a little bit more present, a little more, just try to do a little bit. When you look at the big picture, it's so, so enormous and so difficult for us to get our, our heads around. And I think that uh, if we can take that time to uh, to just just each day focus on making it a little bit better for you, for somebody else, um, being present. And uh, and I think that's that's what makes that's what, that's what motivates me is knowing that I made a difference to someone today. Well, I, held the, I held the door open when I was getting my donut this morning. So I was like, Thanks. Like it would have made their day. Like I was like, I just held the door for you. It wasn't, but they probably won't forget that today, you know? And, uh, 
um, and, and that type of stuff. So just just being being present, being personable, and, and just trying to put more more of that back in the world. We're so tied to our phones and walking and texting and looking at stuff, and we don't look around. We don't lift our heads up and see where we're at. So I try to be present. I'm not good at it all the time, but I'm getting better, especially with not having a job right now. It makes it easy to be present. Um, and then I and then I try to be a better golfer. At the end of the day, I'm, I'm trying to trying to hit that little ball uh, more uh, less times each time I go golfing. And uh, so uh, that that make, it makes me you know smile a little bit when I when I have a good game on the, the golf course. So. So you're working on patience then. That's another thing, correct? Oh, if, you're, if you mentioned golf. Yes. Yeah. Patience and uh, just, just the uh, appreciation for finesse. Is this a seven iron or a six iron? And do I hit it really hard or not too hard? And yeah, so finessing that into the, to the sweet spot, if you will, and, and playing and, and just, just enjoying life. You know, life is too short. We get so bogged down in everything in our lives and, and everything seems like it's the end of the world. And, and as I said, stressful morning this morning, my wife and I had a great conversation. It was not easy conversation. And at the end of the day, she said, I'm thankful for so much stuff. So many people have it so much worse than we do. And, and it's so true, so true. And, and even the people that have it worse than the people I'm thinking of probably have it better than somebody else and so on and so on. And so we just need to appreciate where we are, be present in ourselves and, uh, and take a moment to just self-reflect and, uh, and just try to be a better person when and where you can. Uh, very well said. I, again, we uh, we thank you for being on, uh, Chief, and and uh, you know your summary of you know being patient, being present, being grateful. I, I think a lot of us uh, can improve our lives, can improve our shifts if we just do those simple things. So, thanks for being so honest. Thanks for the insight. Uh, for those of you that are listening to us, remember that you can watch us on YouTube. Uh, you can also uh, email us at bettereveryshift at firerescue1.com if you have hot seat questions for us or if you want to comment on uh, anything that we hit on our shows. Please rate and review the show. And uh, again, uh, you can find us on YouTube uh, to watch and see uh, Chris's great shirt. <laughs> uh, but most of <laughs> right? Thank you, Chief Brunacini, for the, uh, for the motivation for that. Inspired. Um, inspired, right. And... Uh, and most importantly, everyone, make sure that you learn something, do something, and share something to make you and those around you better every shift. Thanks for listening.